Hello and welcome to Blind Spots, a Film Inquiry Network podcast. My name is Christy Strauss and I'm here with my co-host Jake Tropila. This is a podcast where we recommend movies that we haven't seen, movies that we love and we're passionate about, and we each recommend one to one another and then we talk about it. So how are you doing tonight, Jake? I'm doing really well, Christy. How are you this weekend? I am good now. It's It's been a week. It's... <laughs> It's been a week. People are happy and celebratory. I have no idea why something must have happened, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm happy. Couldn't, couldn't imagine happy it. For, happy for them. Happy for us. Yes. Uh, the podcast lives on for another day. Yeah, and also, you know, watching these movies uh, also is a mood booster. So that just shows you the uh, the power of cinema as well. Um, and hopefully, as we yeah. talk about these two movies, that'll inspire some joy as well to kind of yeah. ride this wave. Nothing boosts my mood like child abuse. <laughs> Spoiler! No, um, I just enjoy watching movies, even if there is child abuse. But anyway, so... <laughs> All right. Strange qualifier, but go ahead. You're the one who brought it up, but... um, That's fair. Well, you know, I mean, we're horror fans, and you get joy out of watching horror movies, but that doesn't necessarily make you a, a creep, right? I hope not. <laughs> Uh oh. Um, yeah. All right. So, from that segue, um, so my choice for Jake this week was a uh, film from 1993 called This Boy's Life. You know, I was really excited to suggest this movie. It's something, it's, and it's directed by um, Michael Caton Jones. It stars Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ellen Barkin. It's got a great cast. And it was a movie that I watched when it came out. I probably was too young, but. I loved it from that time, and uh, I it kind of introduced me. It was my first uh, introduction to Leonardo DiCaprio, who, if you know me, is one of my favorite actors because I just think he's amazing. And I think the movie really benefits from just amazing performances in general. I think it's its biggest strength. But anyway, the story is basically uh, about, and this is a theme that wasn't even necessarily planned, as always, things just happen, but with these two movies that we chose. But basically, him and his mother, Ellen Barkin, um, are kind of trying to escape their, their life. She has been in abusive relationships, and they end up, you know, I think it's like Seattle. Yeah, they end up in Seattle after um, Salt Lake City. But anyway, they meet, and she gets together with Robert De Niro, who really is not great stepfather material. Um, kind of a repeated thing there. And also, this is based on... Uh, Tobias Wolf, it's his um, like memoir, so it's also a fascinating aspect of it. But what was your initial thoughts on on a Jake? Uh, initial thought is, uh, wow, Leo is very young in this movie. Um, having and last yet seen not. him in, <laughs> yes. So, okay, it was weird. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say off the top, I liked the film. I really liked it overall. Uh, I think it's really good. Um, and I knew that going into this, this was one of your favorites because, Leo, um, you, were, you were being very coy when you said one of your favorite actors. I mean, let's face it. He's he's your number one. Am I right? He, he's my um, number one guy. Yeah. Yes. There we go. <laughs> and that's amazing. You've been with him since the beginning. So, it's uh, yeah, it's quite a career to watch grow. We've been through a lot um, together. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, but, yeah, right off the bat um, – so, yeah, as you said, it takes place uh, – the movie spans about, I'd say, roughly three years of time altogether. So the opening starts is, in the 50s, too, I should yeah. say. Yeah, the first opening is October 1957. Uh, Leo and his mom are driving 
to uh, they're going to the uranium fields in Salt Lake City to get a job. And um, like I was just immediately kind of I don't want to say put off, but there was just something wrong with Leo. It it felt like a it felt like a <laughs> I hate this word, but it felt like a deep fake of like a child actor with like Leo's face planted on it because I don't, I don't know I just I was just having this weird moment of cognitive dissonance where I was watching this child actor who I mostly knew as an adult, um, and he does he's like got this little kid voice he basically sounds like Arnie from What's Eating Gilbert Grape, um, so I was I was just like taking me some time to adjust to this Leo that I've never seen before. And um, but then I do, want, yeah. I do want to point out that it's only in the beginning and I actually and it is similar to Arnie. I think it's almost to kind of make him seem younger and more innocent because it yeah. does. It changes like that. I, I totally get that because I actually hadn't watched it in a while. And I was like, what's going on? Like in the very beginning in the car and stuff right. like some of it was just like. But I think it is to kind of distinguish since time does pass, like how it changes him. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, after they eventually settle in their next town, then he becomes the Leo that he is through most of the film, which is, uh, I, I describe him as greaser Leo in my notes. He's got the leather jacket. He's got like the duck's ass hairstyle. Um, so he's, yeah, he's got all these, all these things going on. He looks, he looks older and he looks a bit tougher. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I guess if I'm just to lob any play, praise at this movie first, I have to hand it to Leo who, um, I think he's a really good actor, and I think there's an intensity that's in his eyes through a lot of this film that uh, you see him carry on through the rest of his career. He's got mm. a really great look about himself, and uh, that that he manages as a, this is essentially his you know his his di- like his theatrical debut film because he was in Critters Three, but that was straight to video. Um, but that he's able to stand up to and hold his own against Robert De Niro, who's at this point like an industry veteran, uh, yeah. is incredible. And they still uh, like spar back and forth in a sense, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's and actually physically do at one point, but I'm like just yeah. acting, you know, back and forth, and it's just so good. Like the two of them together. I wonder if like Scorsese watched this and he's like, "Yep, that's my next." Uh, <laughs> well, that's my next I mean. Find. <laughs> I was reading, I was looking up a bit about this movie. Apparently, uh, De Niro pointed out Leo to Scorsese's direction, which Scorsese was surprised because De Niro had never done that before. And then, yeah, 15 or so years later, um, Leo would be Scorsese's leading man for like five movies. And I want them to do another movie together, um, De Niro and Leo, like now. I feel like that would be, I don't know what... I mean, Scorsese should probably direct put, it. But. Exactly. Put Scorsese put both of like your two most prominent leading men in the, your next movie. That's that's the only logical step. It is. I mean, Leo's got kind of got like this. He has a career now where he's like he's very choosy. He only Super makes a choosy. movie like every that's, three years. And that's why he's so good director. though, because he like it does. He's always if he's doing a movie for the most part, you know it's going to be good, or at least he's definitely going to be good in it. Yeah. I'm not that crazy about him in The Revenant, which he won his Oscar for. I would have preferred he had won for The Wolf of Wall Street. But, um, you know, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. That was, I think uh, that's yeah. also kind of like a we need to give him an award sort of situation, too. Because like, he yeah. had several performances that he honestly, I think, could have been uh, award worthy. But, you know, what's interesting about Leo and the age and everything is uh, I think he was either 18 or 19 when he made this movie. And he's playing... A very young boy and it's, it's just weird when you like realize that um 
but maybe that's how he's he's aged well because he looked like a baby even at like 19 years old but yeah yeah he's he's so basically we see him like through the entirety of his high school uh life in this Mm -hmm. movie and um and yeah this 1993 i can't wrap my head around this being only four years before titanic and that's probably not even that long because that movie had such a long shoot and there was post-production effects so only like just a couple of years later, he would be shooting Titanic. I mean, he really had a a spurt, I guess you could say. Oh yeah, because um, he also did Romeo yeah. and Juliet. I think it was yeah, right. That's that. yeah, that's in between that uh, the Basketball Diaries, which I've never seen. So he's done he's awesome. done a couple. Um, but yeah, we're not really uh, talking about the film. So let's uh, <laughs> yeah, um, as you mentioned, yeah, Leo and his mom. Um, they're kind of. Uh, they don't really have a plan in place. They just kind of more like they go to a bus stop at one point and their choices between destinations are either the bus that leaves to uh, Seattle in two minutes or to like another town. Arizona, the next like, day. Yeah, Arizona exactly. like the next day. And it's like, all right, let's just try Seattle. And so they they go out there and that's eventually where they come across um, De Niro's character, Dwight, uh, in the town of Concrete. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, let's talk about uh, De Niro uh, for a second. Um, he's really good because he has a very difficult role. Um, as he's he's a monster, but he's like a very credible monster. Mm-hmm. Um, he he, he has, fakes it for got, a while too. He yeah, tri- you know he has that veneer of like I'm I'm a good guy. You know, like almost goody two shoes to an extent in the beginning, and. Yeah. Uh, like obviously Leo sees it right away, like makes fun of him, but he's kind of cheesy in that way. But That's then you true, realize yeah. he's got this anger, like under just like simmering under the surface, and it as soon as like they're married, it basically comes out. Yeah, you know he's he's dressed neatly. He's got the military crew cut. He mentions he's been in the navy. He charms women by lighting their cigarettes for them, and I like that Leo makes fun of that in the next scene, and he does a really good De Niro impression, which is almost worth seeing the movie alone for. Um, but yeah, then the the, the cracks in the veneer, uh, as you described, start to show um, probably right around the where they go to the turkey shoot, and he's like yeah. such a terrible shot. <laughs> and Alan Barkin's 20- awesome, and he gets you can just tell he is so like pissed off and just stewing about it. It's yeah, amazing. he's. He's definitely he's a 1950s breed of like violent alpha male that mm-hmm. is very dangerous to be around. But um, I do want to say Alan Barkin is when she just shows up everybody else at the turkey shoot in her red gown with the rifle as yeah. good stuff. Yeah, because um, they're like women can't shoot, and she's like I'm a NRA member, and that's all. You know, there's no yeah. Aw, I love and, that. I love that part too, and she's great in this film. She's terrific as well. Yeah, my my one complaint is that she just kind of at a certain point she disappears like within the last third of the movie and then just mm-hmm. pops up at the end real quick. But it just kind of more becomes about Leo versus De Niro. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I wish she was in it more. Um, the I think that's my only other complaint is like it's it kind of resolves a little too neatly. Um, but uh, you know I, I don't want to bring the yeah. whole movie down for that. Right. If if that makes sense. Also, don't want to spoil anything for those who are listening and have not seen it yet. Yeah, um, some of the but... pacing a little bit at times um, is a little weird. Like, I mean, like my only complaints about the movie are really just like a couple things, like structurally a little bit, and maybe it could have been a little shorter. And and the, you know, with her as well. Even though I do really appreciate the fact that 
Um, cause he goes there and by the way, De Niro has other kids as well, which is interesting cause it's Eliza yeah. Dushku, uh, it's, um, Carla Gugino. Yeah. yeah. And it's just interesting. There's, um, you know, Chris Cooper's in this movie too, but yeah, like, yeah. you know, she has, uh, he has kids or, and Toby Maguire. I wonder, Toby Maguire, I wonder if that's in... where their friendship started. Leo's. Well, I also read that, uh, Toby actually, uh, by the way, Leo's character is in the movie. His name is Toby. And Toby Maguire actually auditioned for the lead, uh, but he didn't get it and went to Leo. And Leo asked if it was friend Toby could be in the movie. So they made him one of his greaser gang members. So that's how Toby Maguire got in the movie. And it's, it's his debut as well. Yeah. And they're buddies, obviously. Like, you know, yeah, everyone the, knows that. But yeah, that, he, like his name's Toby. Yeah. Because, again, it's based on um, the author, Tobias Wolf. But Tobias Wolf, yeah. I I like uh, <laughs> I didn't recognize Elijah Dushku, Dushku and then when I saw her in the end credits I like rewound the film and looked looked at like some of her scenes again because she's got braces and yeah and glasses. glasses she's pretty yeah. dorky yeah in comparison to like how you know her when she's older yeah you know, running around a wrong turn and stuff but yeah so yeah so that's this boy's life and I you know it's again I it's a movie that I've been doing this a lot with our recommends lately but it's a movie that I just is ingrained in my head as far as my early introduction to movies, early introduction to Leo. Uh, often when I say I'm a fan of Leo, people think like, oh, because of Titanic. But no, I like because I was the age, obviously, when Titanic came out and everyone's like, oh, you know. But no, like I legitimately been following his career from very young age and just was always impressed. And I it holds up this day. You know, I hadn't watched in a little while. And I just think the strongest element of this movie is is the performances. So I think it's worth it just for these three actors alone. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh scenes that have uh, sort of echoed in later films. Like I I re- was reminded most of uh, the Tree of Life when De Niro is teaching Leo how to box. Um, there's a great sequence in the Tree of Life where Brad Pitt's like just takes his three sons out into the backyard. He's like holding up his hands and he's like, "Come on, hit me!" And like they they just can't really they're confused. They can't bring themselves to do it. Um, so that's uh. But I do like the little finger gun that Leo does after he actually hits De Niro in the face. Um, that's fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my, there uh, is, I think my, my there is a lot of abuse too. I just don't know if we like said that just for his FYI because he's oh, obviously yeah. abusive stepfather and uh, like I said, he he has a very well. De Niro is very good at playing like a person filled with rage, <laughs> as we know. So yeah, there's yeah. some some raging bull seeps in through this performance <laughs> and deep uh, fear some cape fear that's now that's a example of like de niro almost going too hammy in the role um here he almost almost hammy though you know it's got like a that's true i don't know i mean no yeah nolte's kind of playing it straight but yeah de niro is like just all he's a blubbering maniac in that movie (laughs) um yeah but yeah uh and wanted to make sure yeah that's uh yeah that's, uh, that's do, a do wrap. anything else well, i mean anything else you wanted to mention about uh this boy's life i did want to say you since you said yours my first uh, leo experience was a uh, season seven of growing pains uh, which was on a lot of my house so yeah so yes that uh yeah that wraps this boy's life so you want to tell us about the the choice that you gave me sure this yeah, so as it as you know, we say we say this a lot. I think we've said it in every episode is that we don't try to make a pair out of our films, but I think this has our strongest thematic connection yet. And um, usually, like when 
I I try to pick a film to match Christie's recommendation. I kind of I try to match at least tone or what I think the direction the movie will go. Um, so I picked one of my favorite films of the last uh, decade. Uh, I you chose Xavier Dolan's Mommy, uh, which came out in 2014. Um, and uh, uh, I had been a fan of uh, Dolan's for um, a couple of years before this movie came out. I had seen his three previous features. Um, and he was uh, – it's interesting because he was kind of a director who, like, really rose fast as a, a wonder, wonder kid in cinema he was like 25 years old when he made this movie and it was his fourth film and uh fourth or fifth i think and um i uh it's weird i like loved his movies up to this one and then i like have not seen the three films he's made after this because i guess by all accounts they're not that good um but yeah mommy is about uh there's this um uh the kid is steve um he is uh been kicked out of the like the boys um school that he lives at for starting a fire in the cafeteria and it caused a flood with the sprinklers so he has to live with his mom uh diana who's goes by die throughout the movie uh and steve has adhd and he's very uh energetic and hard to control and he's also very crude and vulgar and uh he's kind of matched well by his the titular mommy because she's also uh like doesn't really have everything together like she's you know in her 40s but she still dresses like she's 20 years old she wears like these ridiculous pump shoes and uh like bedazzled jeans and she has a keychain with a lot of uh adornments on it um but yeah the film is sort of about them trying to help each other out and uh they're also joined by a third character um kyla who's their neighbor across the street um and uh, she's sort of a, a key factor in helping them get their lives in order. But, um, yeah, I, I love this movie. Uh, I've seen it several times now. And, um, Christy, you said something very interesting to me uh, before we started recording about Mommy. And uh, what was it that you said? You're very proud of this, aren't you, Jake? <laughs> um, what I said I, was that <laughs> Mommy was my favorite movie that he has recommended me so far because I thought it was amazing. I thought. It was a terrific film, and I was very that, impressed. I yeah, I was really uh really happy to hear that. Yeah, um, he's bowing right now, just so you know. Yeah, I almost <laughs> hit my head on my microphone because I bowed. Um, but yeah, mommy's a uh, God. It's such a it's it's really intense. hard to. Well, I'm, yeah, it it's, is very intense. Yeah, it's um. Like, it's a film that I, I would not blame somebody for not liking um, because the characters are very uh, – can be very loud and abrasive and in-your-face about their lives. Um, and it also has a lot of uh, stylistic flourishes that we'll get into. But um, I just find it, like, just so assured and beautiful. And uh, the thing about the characters is that it's not necessarily that they need to be likable, but I think they're compelling in their own right, and you kind of want to watch them – change and succeed i think that's where the movie draws a lot of its power from um but yeah uh mommy was like a revelation to me when i saw it in the year it came out it was like one of the best films i'd seen that year uh, i think it got a standing ovation at Cannes where it premiered um but yeah what are what are your what are your some of your initial thoughts on uh, mommy yeah. So like I said, I thought, you know, it's intense. And like you said, I mean, a lot of the characters are like screaming half the time. Um, so it can be kind of just like, don't watch it if you have a headache. But it's 
found it to be very compelling. And like you said, I think it's a lot of the reason is the characters, um, how they're written, but also the performances themselves. They're not likable, but you also can, you also feel for each of these main three characters, mm-hmm. even, even at, at times that they're, you know, quote unquote, like ugliest or lowest or, you know, yeah. when they're being like, cause the kid can definitely, you know, be a prick. Um, but for there's, sure. you know, cause he, he's very aggressive as well, like with his mother and he has a, on top of having um, ADHD, he also has like um, like attachment issues with her, and you know she definitely is like almost like the cool mom as far as like you know her style and and how she acts and stuff and like you know they talk about things in like a very like blunt way and I I just I don't know I, even though like most of the movie is like conversation sometimes just between like the three mm-hmm. or there's these great scenes with like music and when they're um, also the songs very <laughs> kind That's... of funny. Another thing that's amazing about this movie is that on paper, like I, was, I just started writing down like the bands that are in this film as they appear. Like there's Dido, Counting Crows, Celine Dion, um, uh, Oasis, uh, Eiffel 65, Lana Del Rey. Like all these songs, like if you told me that this was the soundtrack, I don't think I would want to listen to a second of it. But like in the context of the film, they work. They're like some they're some of the greatest soundtrack selections ever. Yeah. Um. I. I. You know. I love them walking to the house with uh, Dido. I really love when uh, Kyla comes over for the first dinner at the house, mm-hmm. and they start playing Celine Dion and they dance in the kitchen. Yeah. Um. That that moment is wonderful. I think uh, the big showstopper of the film is uh, amazingly as I would never thought I would say this, but Wonderwall is probably the best it's ever been used in a movie. Um. I should mention that the film I mentioned like stylish stylistic flourishes it's shot in a not like four three but an actual one-to-one aspect ratio so the entire image is like a square box for the entire film um and i guess you could you know say that there's a like a the thematic uh relevance is that you know these characters are kind of trapped in their lives but um yeah. i think it's I also it's yeah very personal but, it makes it like very just almost intimate in a sense yeah, yeah. but like after like spending time together there's this montage of them like sort of all improving their lives and they're just kind of riding bikes and skateboarding down the street and Wonderwall's playing. And then the kid like stretches his arms out and actually like opens the frame of the film. And then you get the full like widescreen picture for like the next several minutes. And it's, it's like, you can kind of just take a deep breath at that point And everyone is just, it's, you know, it's, it can be like, it's such an obvious trick, but it works so well. Um, like, that's just, I think that's, been the genius of Xavier Dolan is that he like you know everybody could think of something as simple as this but I don't know it's the way he wields it is it makes him just seem so brilliant um what did you do what did you like the Wonderwall sequence I did yes I actually liked like you know you said I liked all of the music choices um like I love that Counting Crow song and uh I believe that's when he's like spinning the shopping cart, right? Isn't that the part when he, I think that plays, which is just, yeah. a, that goes on for so long when he's spinning the shopping cart, by the way, um, in circles. But yeah, no, uh, and then also I had uh, Blue stuck in my head, which is an unfortunate yeah. thing. <laughs> it gave me like yeah. flashbacks to being young when that song came out, and I can't think oh, of the man. band. It's just, I, oh. Eiffel 65. Yeah, Eiffel yeah. 65. Oh, yeah. That song. Um, yeah, so the the actor who plays Steve is Antoine Olivier Pilon, and then his mom is Anne Dorval, 
who was actually in a previous uh, film of uh, Dolan's. I think she's in her his uh, debut film, uh, I Killed My Mother, um, which is not a uh, movie about a kid killing his mom. It's a it's it's a metaphorical title, but um, uh, but for me the the best performance in the film belongs to uh, Suzanne Clement as the neighbor Kyla, um, and then uh, she's uh, has a speech impediment where she stutters, and we mm-hmm. learn that she's been on a like a two year sabbatical. She used to be a teacher, and as part of like their little deal together, she she actually kind of helps Steve out and homeschools him, and he does starts to do really well under her tutelage. Um, yeah. But did you? And there's did a you terrific ca- scene. There's a yes. terrific scene with them, too, where he's yes. like, it's actually when Blue's on right after he's like testing her because he does that with people and he pushes her and she pushes back. And it's yes. like, it's just such a good scene. It's um, kind of heartbreaking in a way. Um, but the movie's really beautiful in a sense, even when it's like tragic and even when it's like harsh. But um, I love that. I just love that scene. I just thought it was surprising that. Yeah. And that was actually kind of ties into like how good she is in that movie. Because yeah. some of her scenes were the most surprising to me. Now, did you, I did not catch this the first time I saw it. And it was actually my mom who I uh, took to see this movie uh, the second time. Uh, she loved it. She actually pointed out why uh, Kyla has a stutter. And I wanted to see if you maybe caught it as well. And it's um, okay if you did not. But do you have any, any, any clue as to why, why that is? Well, I, I don't know why she has a stutter. But I thought that she had maybe gone through... Um, like a trauma because there's pictures of a boy like she had a son and she only they only show a daughter. Yeah, so she has a she's married with a daughter and then that, yeah at one point this is after their confrontation he pulls what happens that drives her over the edge is that he rips like a locket from around her chest yeah and that drives her crazy and knocks him down and then they go over to her house and uh, she's just kind of in the bat- bedroom and he peeks in and sees on her dresser, yeah, there's photos of their family and there's photos of a little boy, but he's not seen in the film. And it's inferred that, I guess, that, you know, she, she lost him yep. two years see, ago, essentially. See, when her... me and Jake's mom get it. Yeah. I I, I don't know how I missed it the first time. Um, hi, but, hi, Mom, uh... by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's, most definitely, she's most definitely listening. So, yes, shout out to our number one fan. But, yeah, Kyla is excellent. And she's actually really good in, um, if you want to check out any more of Dolan's films uh his previous film Lawrence Anyways uh which is about a, a a trans woman coming out is is great and uh the lead character's partner is played by her Suzanne Clement and it's kind of also her journey of understanding what her partner is going through so um yeah she's fantastic in that as well um but yeah there's I I don't want to say too much more about uh, mommy. I just want to recommend it to more people to see. Um, do you have any any closing thoughts on Xavier Dolan's mommy? Yeah, it's um like I, like I said, you know, I, it kind of um, took me aback because I I loved it more than I even expected to. Which I try not to go into anything, even even though I trust Jake with his recommendations. You know, I don't ever go with expectations, but um, you know, just open mind as I do with any movie, I suppose you can try to avoid like critics opinion and, you know, audiences reactions and stuff, but I always try to be open and I was just really kind of blown away by it, but there are a lot of terrific scenes and, you know, without spoiling things, you know, it's hard to talk about some of them, but it is an experience. I'll say that like the movie, it definitely has like, it's, it's, um, up and downs as far as the character's journeys um often like things are going well and then you know things go really bad and and vice versa and um 
it's just, uh, I mean, for, for all three characters even, but it's, again, kind of similar to This Boy's Life, a lot mm-hmm. about the performances and the characters for me. I think those were both um, kind of the shining things. And interestingly enough, there's two movies that we chose about mother and son relationships, uh, which which is kind of interesting. Again, not, yeah. not on purpose. <laughs> Even though this is called This Boy's Life and This is Mommy, which is also just kind of ironic, um, They there is similarities there. And obviously, like, abusive, um, troubled teen, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there is some kind of connective tissue there. But I'm really glad I got this wreck. Yeah, the only thing, yeah, I'm I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you had that experience. And yeah, I think, I think it's a very, just emotionally and creatively, I think it's a very bracing film. And uh, yeah, it knocked me on my ass all over again. Um, the only thing I don't like, which uh, basically comes and goes immediately in the movie, is that there's kind of just this, um, like, text on screen that establishes that the world it's in is in a future Canada where if a yeah, that was weird. parent yeah if, the, if a parent like decides their child is unruly or not behaved they can force them into a, a home um it's, it's this law that's in past it's it's just it's just very it's a very awkward and yeah unnecessary exposition I think you can just kind of infer that you can you know commit your child to an institution without having to establish this this alternate future canada that the world takes place in but yeah but once it once it fades away from that then it's it's terrific stuff yeah uh, yeah so yeah that's uh that's mommy check it out everyone yes and and, so. and check out uh, this boy's life if you haven't already especially if you're a leo completionist yeah, I, um, I think that I think it's a movie that kind of just flew under the radar, to be honest. Like, I, I don't know a lot of people that have seen it. I think it even like on Rotten Tomatoes has like 30 reviews. Like, I, I think it's one of those movies that just uh, mm-hmm. just kind of breezed by. And, you know, it's it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, if you're a uh, Leo completionist, you should check it out. But also a De Niro completionist because he's amazing in it as well. Yeah. Or a Chris Cooper completionist. We know you're out there. We know you're out there, and we know you're listening, yeah. <laughs> even if he's only in five minutes of it. He's yeah. always good. If and that. I know, right? All right, so yeah, that's uh, This Boy's Life and Mommy mm-hmm. on this episode of Blind Spots. Um, a lot of fun chatting and always a lot of fun watching, again, even if it is child abuse. Um, both these movies just are so... <laughs> have, uh, you know, so many amazing things going for them. So definitely check them out. Um, so I guess to just kind of throw it out there, our uh, social media stuff, as always. So you can go to our website, which is just filminquiry.com, mm-hmm. and you can find this podcast on pretty much everywhere that podcasts are. <laughs> uh, and also feel free to, you know, give us a rating or a comment. You know, we love to, uh, to hear what you have to say. And so my Twitter is Strauss, S-T-R-O-U-S-E, underscore christy and uh also at film inquiry is another is our regular one and then my instagram is chris at christy on film so jake if you want to say yours yeah i'm simply enough i'm just at jake tropila on all things uh follow me wherever you like uh at j-a-k-e-t-r-o-p-i-l-a uh hit me up on twitter let me know what you think of mommy uh and let me know if, let me know if, uh, if anybody has seen the other three xavier dolan films after mommy uh which are uh it's like the life and death of john f donovan it's only the end of the world and matthias and maxime uh if there's a, if those are any good let me know yeah definitely and 
if you want to, you know, come at me with a hot take that you don't like Leo, let's do it. Um, <laughs> I'm always on Twitter willing to have any conversation about film. But thank you, anybody, for uh, for listening. And, you know, until until next time, I hope everyone's doing well, being kind, safe, and happy. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Groovy.